Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. There we go. I was uh, hoping to have some audio from Frank Reich's presser today, but it appears that the hardworking uh, Aaron Shropshire mm. is too busy getting 7-Eleven Slurpees and chasing rats. I wanted to. <laughs> that is a reference to a completely random text we got. I forget who it was from. It might have been just a random number, but the text we got was, hey. What happened to that skinny kid that used to be on the show? I think he got y'all Slurpees on 7-Eleven Day. So, mind you, that was over two months ago now. <laughs> Shroppy is too busy doing the Renaissance thing and cutting up audio where he's not usually on the show. But I love that text. <laughs> Shroppy is just fine for all those that are worried. And maybe we can get him on the show and get us some Slurpees or some bad milkshakes or whatever <laughs> the next time we have him on. Um, but anyway, we got a lot of great uh, audio from Frank Reich last night. Including saying that even though they're 0-2 and 0-2 in the division, they are close and they got the players to turn this thing around. I've seen this before. It's not that far away. It looks bad, um, but really I don't believe it's that far away. You know, we make a couple plays here and there, and the next thing you know, you got 28, 30 points. Uh, just, I know that's true. I know we have the players and the coaches to do it. I have zero doubt about that. It's just we have to execute better on offense. Did he call plays that can get them to the 28-30 point threshold? <laughs> well, the thing is, it's, it's wild because football is so situational. You think about the scenario they got put in where the fumble happened after they get a big play. So you look at that and say, well, maybe they could have scored here. And then you might look at a couple of other scenarios where things didn't go the way that they needed to. But I don't know if 28 to 30 points is the number that I would go to. But Carolina definitely had some opportunities to make some things happen, but they just weren't able to do it. And so I think for a lot of fans, they're going to be looking at Reich saying that, man, you must be out of your gourd because it looked so bad. I don't think that they were necessarily a play or two away from 28 to 30 points. But I definitely think there were some plays or two away from having more points than what they did. I'm very interested in what they're going to do week three with Bryce Young's first West Coast road trip Ooh. in the NFL against Seattle. And I think people are expecting Seattle to really take it to them. And offensively, they might. But let's not forget, last year, they were one of the worst defensive teams in all of the NFL. You know what they've done this year, Wes? They're second worst in the entire NFL in yards per game. I wonder... With everybody on Twitter saying, hey, it's not going to be until Halloween that you see a victory from this Carolina Panthers team. Yeah, that might be true because I don't expect this offense to put up the kind of numbers that Seattle can with Geno Smith figuring it out after week one with having those wide receivers that you do. But honestly, maybe it's gotten so bad to the point where I'm not even asking for a win. I'm asking for 27 like deep shots. I want some of that. And if they lose, okay, I'd rather you not, but at least you look competent offensively. Seattle's defense is not great. They weren't great last year. They have not gotten off to a great start this season. Rams, Detroit, yes, strong offensive units, but we can go back to 2022. Maybe this is the game 
or maybe I'm just the insane person that is, you know, far, way too far gone, and there is no elixir, there is no vaccination to cure me or anything like that, and I just keep out holding hope for this Carolina Panthers offense. Yeah, man, what a start for Bryce Young when you talk about playing divisional opponents, the first two teams out of the gate. Then you got to go to Seattle, the 12th man. We know how loud they are. We know what they represent. And Geno Smith, when you look at the numbers, though, man, he'll make you pay. This oh, yeah. should be a really good game. He's been blitzed 24 times, one of the most blitzed quarterbacks in the game, but still completing 72% of his passes. And he's got 20 completions of 10-plus yards, man. So that's going to be uh, a big matchup. Back in the 1 o'clock hour, we talked about play calling and whether it was time for Frank Reich to give up the play calling duties. Well, here was Frank saying how collaborative the offensive staff is in the process of putting together the game plan. Primarily talking to Thomas. I'm talking to Parks Frazier, who's our pass game coordinator. And I'm talking to Kemp and our own line coach. Those are the main guys, you know. So we're all collaborating. So everybody else feeds their information through those three guys. And then, you know, I'm talking to those three guys about, you know, finding out, hey, what's what's our next move? You know, we collaborate on that together in between series, sometimes in between plays. You know, sometimes thinking out two plays in advance, I'll be calling a play on first down, and I'll say, hey, Thomas and Parks, be looking at third down. Let's just look at the third down options so we can talk about it when we get there. I think that the 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 part at play here is that I you want to hear a little bit more of the feel for the game. I know it's a collaborative effort, but you also feel like with Frank Reich, with his pedigree offensively, what he's brought to the table over the years too, that he should have a pretty good idea of what's ailing this offense. And so th- that's the part that I guess I don't hear there that's intriguing to me is that, yes, I know it's a collaborative effort and the coaching staff, they they work together. But I feel like Frank Reich should have a really good idea of what's going wrong here. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And when we're talking about just the play calling duties, I know a lot of people want Frank Reich to give it up right now. But we've got we have two games with a rookie QB with an offensive line that is down both of its starting guards and wide receivers that everybody was ranking at the bottom if you look at any national publication. You mix all that together, it's probably not going to look great for a lot of play callers out there. And Wes, I just, I, I, I'm too logical about it. I can't get way too, oh, this is going to be the worst thing ever. I respect Jim Caldwell too much. I mean, they've got to be asking Jim Caldwell what's going on. Do you think he's just hiding all of the secrets to overtake the job? Conspiracy. <laughs> I don't think that's happening with Jim Caldwell anymore. I think that they're picking his brain and he's giving them his information that he's accumulated over his NFL tenure. Same thing with Thomas Brown. Frank Reich talked to you about it with Nick Sirianni with the Indianapolis Colts, where it's a collective effort. He's the one pulling the trigger on the plays in real time. And there is an art to that. Frank Reich actually verbatim told you play calling is an art. It has not looked great right now. But to me, there's too many bright offensive minds that I'm going to put what I've seen in years past all those years with Caldwell, with Frank Reich, with even a Thomas Brown working with Sean McVay for so long. I'm going to put a lot of stock into that more so than just saying, okay, it's gone horribly wrong and say it's the play calling's fault rather than what we've seen with the offensive line and the wide receiver issues. Two more things I want to get to really quickly. First off, how prevalent were the boos on TV last night? What, what was it? Was uh, it noticeable you could hear enough? it a little bit, and then the announcer spoke about it as well. I know Frank Reich talked about it post game as well. And he did, and here's what he said about the booing that I did not partake in at Bank of America State. Look at you. I don't think that's Bryce. I mean, that's that's on that's on me. That's on our team. So I don't like it. You know, I believe me. We want to give the fans 
wins an exciting an exciting brand of football. That's our that's what we're going to do. That's what we're planning on doing. It's a process. You know, we're two games into a 17 game season. Things haven't gone the way we wanted, but and nobody's throwing in the towel. I mean, it's a long year. Uh, they threw in the towel at halftime in the middle of the fourth quarter last night, Frank. I agree with Frank, though, that it's not on Bryce Young. I know a lot of people took it that way, saying, why are you booing your first overall QB just within the first two games? I think Reich is correct in saying it was about the whole operation. I think Frank Reich is correct in saying it was about the entire offense. It's on us for not producing as a team. I don't think all of those boos were pointed towards specifically Bryce saying, oh God, he's a bust. Why didn't we draft Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud? I did not interpret the boos that way. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you as far as all of them. I thought there were definitely some contingents that were booing this. I can confirm that. Yeah, I definitely. Oh, Bryce specifically? Yeah, Yeah, I I definitely think so because the quarterback, that's part of what comes with it, man. You're going to get a lot of the blame. A lot of people still feel like he's too small or they should have taken a different guy or things of that nature. So, yeah, you can bet your bottom dollar that a decent proportion, uh, the decent portion of those boos were for him. The last thing I want to get to in the live wire, no piece of sound, but no joke, all, all joking aside, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. leaves the Hornets. He's now a member. I thought we were about to hit something serious. Right. <laughs> no, no, we are. Okay. And it appears he's going on the vet minimum. I, I know that is to be true. Mm-hmm. Walker, can you explain why that is? it was a good thing for what he's going to be walking away for, that the Hornets are not bringing that guy back, giving what he brings to you as a bench score, something they now do not have. Our debates about Kelly Oubre has made me feel like a hater, and I don't like it. I don't want to sip on the <laughs> haterade. I'm a Gatorade guy. I'm not a haterade guy. But with Kelly Oubre, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to bring him back when you draft Brandon Miller. I think after you draft somebody that's going to be at that small forward spot, Miles Bridges comes back, P.J. Washington, who is a front court player, I think all of that spells Kelly Oubre probably leaving and as much as i love the very aura that is tsunami poppy turned into tsunami father as he starts to mature a little bit this past season that's a doug branson special shout out to doug i just think with him helping out in the locker room that's going to be a real loss this guy did give us all the energy and then some in the last 30 games when there wasn't a lot to play for but on the court do you want to hear an amazing kelly Oubre stat Kelly Oubre in the past 27 games that he played with all those injuries did not record more than two assists in any single game. Bad shot makers on the team. That is the Kelly Oubre experience. No, there is a place for it. I love it. I love it. But no more than two assists. Yeah, man. Uh, Look, I'm in here to get buckets and bleep all y'all else who think I'm about to pass y'all this basketball. Okay? If I pass it to you, it's because I dropped it and it just dribbled over to you and then you shot it immediately. And that's the Kelly Oubre experience, but some fun memories along the way. Yeah, man. Kelly Oubre never met a shot that he didn't like, so now he will be in Philly chucking up those shots, being Tsunami Father. 